Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello. Welcome to the Blizzard Witch Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm your host. I'm doing this voice, but I'm going to stop now. How are you doing, guys? Uh, sorry about that voice. I'm sure Joe is probably laughing because he usually laughs at my weird stuff. I'm actually uh, like holding my forehead because I don't know where that voice came from. Yeah, actually, it's an Elcor from from Boulder, from the Boulder's Gate. Yes, the Boulder's Gate Elcor. It's an Elcor from Mass Effect. Hello. <laughs> oh but, yeah, goodness. So anyway, it's me, it's Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hello! I'm not going to do the joke because I'm lazy. Okay, it's fine. So how you been doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm getting really excited. Uh, like I was telling, uh, talking a little bit on the pre-show, I've got a brand new computer uh, that I'm looking forward to uh, playing some WoW on because I'm that nerd that puts together a new computer specifically to play WoW because, well, why not? Well, uh, I, quite frankly, I keep getting warnings that my my game's going to stop working any second. I'm thinking about trying to figure out a way to do it. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. And, and I will say that WoW looks really good in 4K, which is weird to say, because I grew up in the era of, is that a tree or a flat plane? I'm not sure. <laughs> so, yeah, super excited. How about you? Uh, nothing like that. Um, we took our pet to the vet to, the other day, and she needs a different kind of antibiotic because we, we, we took her off antibiotics so we could put her on steroids. Okay. Because part of the thing that's wrong with her, she's not, she's got inflammation that's make keeping her from digesting food. So she had to be put on steroids to treat it. So we, we had her on like really strong antibiotics for a while because one of the consequences of the way she was bred is that she has an extremely short muzzle for a cat. Mm. Uh, I think she's adorable, but she does have this problem. Short muzzle means she's extremely susceptible to, to respiratory infections. And in fact, she's had a respiratory infection for years. We've not been able to get rid of the antibiotics. were kicking it down. We put her on the antibiotics to strengthen her so that she'd be ready to take the, the, the steroids. But as a result of putting her on the steroids, we had taken her off of the antibiotics, which meant 
that she was getting extremely lethargic because her respiratory infection came roaring back as soon as she came off the antibiotics. So now she's on half dose of steroids. Uh, and now we have to give her a half dose of the antibiotics. And that means she has to take two pills at dinner. Pilling a cat's never fun, but we can't even put like, we can't put the, the pill in anything because she has to eat very specific food to see if it's an allergic thing with her, her inflammation. So there's nothing we can put the pill in. So we yeah, have to just kill her. That's and, far less exciting than mine. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. And I, I love Puka. I think she's a great cat. She's my, one of my favorites. Um, but she does not deal well with anything she does not understand. There are various kinds of cats. I don't know if you guys have had a lot of cats. There are cats that are avoidant, and there are cats that are confront confronting cats. When given a situation they don't like, they object, and they object with their claws. This is a cat that I know loves me. This is a cat that when I walk into a room, she cries out and tries desperately to get up on me so she can lick my beard. She loves being around me. She's a sweet little cat. The second we tried pilling her, she slashed me across the back of my hand so so aggressively that I still have the mark from it. It's going to be a permanent scar. And we have to do this every night. Two pills, not one, two. So yeah, I'm, I'm want to get a new computer, but it's going to be a while. Because That's, money is money is an issue, and my cat is just being delightful with all her medical stuff. And again, I don't blame her. It's not her fault. Uh, it's absolutely just the situation, and it is just the way she is. She's like 13 years old, so I'm not going to be all like it. It it's not you know a 13 year old cat being put in a position like this. Of course, she's going to react. But nevertheless, that's been my life lately. Well, I am very sorry to hear that, but you know, you know what I'm not sorry about. World of Warcraft. At least not yet. Yes, you are. Not yet. <laughs> well, let's talk about that there, World of Warcraft, then. Um, I, I Actually, when I was doing the email for the show, guys, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit see the backseat baseball here. When I do the, the email for the show, I usually take the top stories as I, as I view them and put them at the top of the email. And then I go through the various places where we get questions, and I put them in the body of the email. I did that second part first this time <laughs> and the first part i forgot to do yeah so we, we actually have some stories i i've you know i've deliberately tabbed over to the site so we can like look at what we've got going on uh one of the things we can talk about is that there's in a pre-patch bug which they fixed but it was out we were talking on the pre-show about bugs and how they can be weird uh one of the bugs from the pre-patch was basically if you started a new character, like if you had boosted a character to 50 or just took a character, a new character that you started after the, the pre-patch, like you started a new level one and leveled it up to 50, which you can do relatively quickly if you really, if you put a little grit into it, you'll, you can get it done in a day or two. If you did that and you went and you did the, the, the Lord Ron starting experience where you go to um, Undercity, as a, I think as an Alliance character. I think this is the only one it would work because uh, Horde characters don't talk to this character. But if you do the Lord on quest and you then go to talk to, to Wormbane, he doesn't offer you the Tides of War quest. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so you couldn't go to Boralus Harbor, so you can't continue the campaign, so you're basically stuck. It, it's like if you go to level, if you manage to get level 50, you'll still get the quest to visit Magni and Silithus to get the Heart of Azeroth, 
and you can still use the Boralus Harbor portal from the Wizard Sanctum, but you don't have all the portals to Arathi or Darkshore. They're not accessible. You can't do a lot of stuff. Um, this has been fixed. Blizzard hot fixed it. But it's interesting because it's the exact thing Joe was talking about, um, which is why I'm going to let Joe talk about it again so now you guys will get to hear it. Yeah, so one of the things we were talking about in the pre-show is how some weird interactions happen when you start making changes to anything, any program uh, that's as old as WoW is. Uh, we used to hear jokes about random things breaking, but they weren't really jokes. Uh, we're talking about like bugs where like eons after Yog saran was relevant, you could still get his debuff and weird things would happen. Uh, like getting teleported out of a dungeon when you die because you have the brain room debuff, uh, and you know, you're busy doing something over in, Oh, I don't know, Legion. And then you get teleported back to Alduar because that's where the thing was programmed. And that bug really wasn't a bug. It was just how they had to make the code work back then in order to make it actually work with waypoints. Uh, but then we have all these things that get released where you'll see like patch releases where like there'll be some really innocuous things that have been updated. Like, oh, I don't know, this flower is now properly rendering. By the way, Alduar is completely broken again. Like it just because you build code on code on code and it's ancient and there are so many weird interactions that you can, it's hard to predict any of them. And with something as massively game changing as we just went through with all of the, uh, level squish, all of the item squish, all of the everything changing. Yeah. I'm not surprised that there's some of these bugs. There's a reason why shadowlands got delayed, uh, because this is the type of stuff that, it's virtually impossible to test for until you have a large enough sample size. And sometimes that large enough sample size is called go live. So I'm yep. not terribly surprised. But speaking of that, since it's a good segue to the next thing we're going to talk about um, right now, the Diablo three PTR was, has been up and testing and it was supposed to end last week. Didn't end last week because there's a problem with the season 22 bonuses and so forth, but they don't know what's causing the problem, which is what happens when you're doing testing. You have to, that's one of the things you do. So they're continuing the testing. And one of the things they're doing is they're, they're disabling the season 22 theme to see if that's what's causing the latency and lag issues. That's what the problem is. The game is the, the PTR is having very much higher than normal latency and lag. So they're, they're continuing testing. They're turning off. They're disabling the theme to see if that fixes it. If, cause then if that fixes it, that's the problem. Then they're going to disable the extra slot from Kanai's cube and see if that fixes it. If it does, well, then that's the problem. Then they'll probably have to disable them both at the same time to see if, if it's neither of those things by themselves, maybe it's both together. And if that doesn't work now, we got to start getting creative. And that this means that among other things, it means that season 22 will likely be delayed further. Yeah, it's it's not even fair to call it delayed because they haven't announced it at any point. So it's not a delay. But season 21 had issues on the PTR and they didn't fix them in time. It went live with them. So I'm glad that they're trying their best to fix any issues they're having with season 22 before they launch it. But it is it is exactly what we were just talking about, about how Diablo 3 is a game from 2012 at this point. It's an eight year old game and you're putting in entirely new systems into an eight-year-old game. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same problem. Uh, 
that to me is absolutely fascinating and not entirely unexpected. So trying to think of the right way to put it. I think it's pretty much what Joe said. You know, you, you, you set up a system to work, to do something. And then three years later, you do something else entirely different and suddenly it's interacting and you didn't expect it to interact. You didn't think about it interacting. Yeah. It's, it's, we see, you see it all the time with other things too. Like there's a weird windows 10 bug, uh, for only for people that have upgraded uh, from a previous version of Windows, where occasionally certain things like your display settings just won't load because whatever reason, everything else will work just fine, but it just will not load. And the only way to get rid of it is a full format and restore because it's a weird interaction and nobody can figure out how to fix it. It just happens sometimes. Uh, and with games as old, like in, in people think of Diablo 3 a lot of times as not being that old. Diablo 3 is... A pretty long tooth game at this point. How, what year was it released? 2012. Yeah, and we are in 2020, so it's an eight year old game at this point. And they started development a solid four years before that. Yeah. Like, so and, like, and keep in mind that they they restarted development after they had been developing a completely different Diablo three, and then we're like, oh, that's not going to work. So they stopped doing that one and developed a different one. So this is like the game started, you know, existence in in 2008. Yeah. And it, and I, I was going to say, I think like some credit is definitely due to the the programmers and developers over there for keeping both WoW and Diablo 3 going as solidly as they have been. Because, whew, old code, man. It's it's a it's a bear. <laughs> but yeah, um, for, I think this will probably be our last bit of news for the day because it, it's interesting, although it's kind of weird. Um, you know how they they've, every so often you get a, a six-month subscription reward of some kind yeah uh i never get them because for, thanks to nice people i've paid already till 2023 you too uh, yeah um so i'm not gonna ever get one of these yeah. promos when they Same. do them but uh this time they came out with one that i don't know if people know what to do with uh the trans you get a transmog piece this time a transmog set a look uh, it's called the sprite darter's wings it looks like a like a onesie with sprite darter wings on the back and the wings are the shoulder slot. They're not the cape slot. Like people are thinking um, it's an interesting look. I, I, I I'm not going to say I'm upset that I won't get it. Cause, cause I'm really not, but I'm not like, I don't think it's terrible either. Uh, I've seen some people who really don't like it, but yeah, that's, that's the new, the, the current hotness for, for the year six month sub is the sprite darters wings uniform. It definitely looks better on some people than others. Like I think it looks pretty cute on on gnomes and goblins. Uh, probably would look cute on a Volpera too, because you know they're short and you know they they look like a sprite darter. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing like I've seen it on a on a blood elf, and it, it did not work for me on a blood elf. So have you got a chance to look at it yet, Joe? I did. Uh, it is not something that I'm really kind of crazy about, but that's just me personally. Although this is something that I kind of, speaking of Diablo and coming back to this, I kind of hope they experiment more with wings because I think it's a really cool transmog effect. I think Diablo has had some of the cooler wing effects over the years. I'd like to see some of those start creeping into WoW, especially since WoW essentially took the transmog system from Diablo because it did. Uh, but like, I would love, love, love to see some more of it. I think it'll be great for some characters. Um, if it's the shoulder slot, that means you can work it in a little bit differently. Um, I think there'll probably be more opportunities to do it with some of the Shadowlands gear that drops, particularly with some of the Ardenweld stuff. 
but yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested in it. So just not this particular one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I, I think I'm I'm in much the same case. So Alrighty though, we're gonna move on and talk about them some of the things you guys want to talk about this month a week. This month. And we're not doing any more podcasts after this. We're done. No, we're we're doing more. Um we come back. We're unstoppable. Uh, if you have a question for us here at Blizzard Watch, you can you can get it to us in a number of ways. Uh, you can email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show. Uh, or sometimes people go for any show for either show, and then it just depends on which one of us sees it first in terms of which show gets it, which is always great because you know nothing Joe and I like better than a nice cage match before we actually do the show. Um, or you can go to Discord. And we have the uh, patron Q and podcast questions channel for patrons, which means if you're a patron, you get your first first serve basically on questions for this podcast for lore watch and for the Q. Uh, or you can go to the Q questions channel, which is not patrons locked. So, you know, we still do look at it. And we still do take questions from it. It's just that we, we get patrons first. Uh, that's one of the things they get, they get because they've, they gave us money. It means we can keep doing the show. Yep. Uh, Joe's going to read the questions for us. So if you don't mind, Joe. Not at all. Uh, our first one is an email, but it does not have a name attached to it. So if this is yours, I apologize. Uh, dearest watchers, I was happy with all the customizations in pre-patch. However, Blizz seems to have been very unfair slash sexist with the undead. The females have four different jaw slash face options, and the male have tons of them. Options for no jaw and everything, but females do not have this option and very limited still. I only want my female undead to be as gruesome as possible, but Blizz doesn't seem to think women should look this way. Thoughts? Um, we were talking a little bit about this on the pre-show where uh, I I don't know how to categorize it, but I will say that it does seem like some of the options for the uh, female-aligned certain uh, races have less options or samey options. I was thinking about this when I was going through with my Nightborn in particular um, because I wanted to make her different and make her look a little uh, stranger, but I was looking through like the facial options and everything, and everything was very similar. Uh, and I'm not saying that there's not cool stuff there, but I could definitely under- appreciate the uh, the sentiment here where you have a specific way in your mind, how you want your character to look. Uh, and that option isn't available to you. I will say that I hope that Blizzard will expand those options and give some more gruesome, uh, choices, particularly to the forsaken. Cause I think that was one of always the coolest things. I still remember way back in the day, the forsaken with the, uh, the no jaw and the tongue dangling out from the, the skull. And I thought that was a really cool touch and I thought that was nifty Uh, and I think you know having a little bit of that horror element or a little bit of that non-pretty element uh, to any of the the races and any of the sexes or or, or genders uh, in the game is good like more options will always be better yeah I I feel like one of the problems I had like I said I was I've in the pre-show I mentioned I was looking at Forsaken because I do want to have some horde characters Um, I want to start being able to play from the horde side of the storyline uh, and one of the things I, I thought really strongly was that I, ca- I had this discomfort when I was play- looking at Forsaken and I couldn't figure out what it was. Like, why is this bugging me? What, what's, what's going on? And I couldn't get it into my head, but this question immediately made me go, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the Forsaken in particular 
they, like there's a missed opportunity there to amp up the disquieting body horror of the character. I mean, that's if you think about what a Forsaken is, it's your it's some essence of you, be your soul or spirit or whatever you want to think about, jammed into this horrific form, and it it's worth. There should be more to it. It should be there. I, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, and I, I definitely feel like there's a, there's an opportunity here that we could have more that we, that we're currently getting. Um, but and, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not that the, what we've got is bad. And I definitely don't think the, the forsaken are bad right now. Um, I'm a little annoyed. Someone stink bombed me and while I was standing around talking, but that's what happens in world of Warcraft. It's Halloween. Um, but no, I, I definitely think that I'd like to see more options. I'd like to see like four, four options versus, I don't know how many of the male have off the top of my head, but I know that they do have more. So yeah, I, I, I I'm on board with this. I, I, I agree with this statement is what it, I'm saying. I don't know if it's sexism or if it's just a lack of, like, I don't think that they, they set out, let's make female forsaken look, you know, be boring. I just think that they didn't get as much stuff in as they might've wanted to. And this is one of those things where I, this is a good opportunity for constructive feedback as well. And I don't mean, you know, yelling at them and saying, you you know, do this or else you're this to say, hey, it would be nice if we got more options. Look at how few we have, you know, in, in a constructive way and say, you know, we'd like more body horror or stuff like that. That's the type of stuff that is good for that type of feedback. And I know the developers like that type of feedback when you give it to them in a constructive way and say, this is what we would like. Uh, and I think if they got more of that feedback, we'd probably see more of it. Because I think that's that's one of the things. Like you just have to make sure you give that feedback, so that they know that's what people want. Because if nobody says anything, then nobody gets it. So, uh, but hopefully in the future we will see more options. Our next question comes from our good friend Tetsemi. Question for Blizzard Watch Podcast: Did I just miss the announcement of World of Warcraft Grimoire of the Shadowlands and Beyond to be released on July fourteenth, twenty twenty one? This sounds like something along the lines of the book coming out this November, exploring the Eastern Kingdoms. Are you looking forward to it? And what secret would you like to see revealed in it? Uh, and then there's some copy here that I'll read through. The afterlives await in this sprawling compendium, lovingly crafted by the World of Warcraft game team and the official Blizzard Entertainment historian, Sean Copeland. Uh, what lies beyond the veil of death? Journey past this mortal coil and discover the secrets of afterlives. Uh, study the practices around death and dying on Azeroth. Then follow a broker through the groves of Ardenweald, over the gleaming towers of Bastion, and into the depths of the Maw for a detailed voyage unlike any other. Featuring gorgeous artwork never glimpsed by mortal eyes, a stunning fold-out map, a, and fresh secrets straight from the game team. Grimoire of the Shadowlands and Beyond is made to be treasured for eternity. In this authorial debut, Blizzard Entertainment historian Sean Copeland opens the vaults of both World of Warcraft and his years of hidden knowledge for all curious souls. I just read a whole lot, so go for it. Okay. Um, if you missed it, I missed it too. I'll be up front. I didn't know yeah. it was coming out. <laughs> Sometimes we, we, we sound like we know everything, but no, I absolutely didn't see this coming. Didn't know it was a thing. We're lucky we know what day of the week it is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I am I, I'm the, the general question is, am I, is, am I excited for it? Yes. I'm always excited for these things. I mean, I, I'm the guy that bought all the Chronicles. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, I, I don't know what's going to be in it because it's coming out relatively late. 
like by the time this comes out, we will have had Shadowlands for a while. I don't for, I can't for say six ish probably months. Seven. Yeah. So I don't know at what point it's I don't know what it's written to reveal. I don't know if it's like if we'll we'll be getting nine point one stuff in it, nine point two stuff in it, I don't know. Um but yeah, I'm super excited. Uh one of the things I'm I'm dying to know is are there other Shadowlands we're going to go to? Yeah. I've been thinking about that for a while. I mean, the past couple of expansions in particular, we've gotten like a big chunk of, of stuff at the end of them. Um, at the end of Warlords, we got Tanan Jungle, mm-hmm. uh, which was a lot of content. It was a big zone. There was a lot going on in it. Legion went with three zones. Argus, I, to my mind, Argus was one of the best end of expansion content releases they've ever done. It took the kind of stuff they were doing with the Timeless Isle and Tanan Jungle, and it just went for broke with it. I'm still one of the things I'm doing right now in World of Warcraft is going to Argus to like kill rares and, and mess around. I am doing that. I have been doing that as of last night. I was doing it. So yeah, Argus is one of my favorites. I'm, it's one of the things I'm super curious about. Is like, um, I think that Battle for Azeroth it wasn't bad, but they did what. First off, they did it kind of in the middle of the expansion with with Nazjatar and Mechagon. And Nazjatar and Mechagon didn't connect in any way. And they were different kinds of experiences. Nazjatar definitely felt like it was part of the main story. It was part of the whole, you know, there's a raid involved. You know, we were going there and it it ultimately culminated in the release of Nazoth, which was like the whole thing from the beginning. But Mechagon, as much as I think it was really well designed, did not resonate with me. Uh, I don't know how Joe felt about it, but I felt like once I'd done it enough, I okay, I've done this enough. Yeah, like, I I don't I don't feel the need to come back. I don't feel the need to like I only grounded as high as I did because I wanted flying. So, I and then when we actually got into like the the final patch, they revamped a couple of zones for like the the you know the old god invasions, and that, those were fine. I didn't I don't have any problem with them to this day. I don't have a problem with them, but I didn't really like them either uh i i honestly felt a little bit like okay they this could have been really good if there was more stuff like in each zone and i don't mean more stuff like more encounters just more story that that kind of told the the story more effectively there was a lot of story that the quest is enormous so i i don't know how they're going to do this in shadowlands or what they're going to do and that's i'm really curious as to how it's going to go is it going to be more like argus where you go to like say some other Shadowland that we've never heard of, is it going to be going to Thros? I mean, because we know Thros is involved in the Ardenweald stuff, so maybe like it like patch nine point two. We might have to dive yeah. back into their thing, yeah. Yeah, maybe nine point two. We go there. I know the Maw is a big endgame thing that's going to continue for the entire expansion. So and, I feel that like doesn't mean we can't go elsewhere. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of stuff I'm really curious about. Yeah, I, I am very excited for this for a couple of reasons. One. The date of it, I think, is really specific, and I think it's really specific in a good way. The fact that it's not planned until the middle of July means that we will have had a good amount of time from the Shadowlands dropping to the release of this book, and it's going to give us a whole lot more information about Shadowlands. And I think that's really cool, and the timing is going to be at such a point where 
a lot of the stuff will either be already announced or the groundwork will already be laid. Uh, one of the things we talk about a lot on Lorewatch is progressive storytelling and how that sort of changed since I want to say Warlords of Draenor, like maybe Mist of Pandaria. They they started getting this flow of progressive storytelling more and more and more, where the events of an expansion continually move forward, maybe calling on some older things to tie up loose ends or, or other quests that we might have forgotten about for years come back to sort of bite us in the, the behind uh, or have relevance again. And I don't think Battle for Azeroth is any different, and I don't think Shadowlands is going to be any different because it's only been getting better. Like, we talk about Legion and Argus. Argus is an old-school thing. Like, that's something we've known about, at least as a living thing, since Burning Crusade, essentially. Uh, so getting well, even to- before that, the Argus Wake yep. Um, yep, yep. were, if you're playing either Horde or Alliance, you had to confront the Argus Wake as you leveled up. So yeah, it it is interesting to see. Like, I think that you is you're right to to peg that to to mists, because I really think it was the original uh, Horde and Alliance invasion campaigns in Pandaria. Yeah, that that really started that that trend, and we saw a lot a lot of stuff that you know to this day is was res- resonating. Like Jaina's final break, where she's like, "No more, no more neutrality," was from Mists of Pandaria. It was from that campaign because the, the Horde snuck the divine bell through Dalaran and that, that set her off because it was like, no, we're supposed to be neutral. And you're that this is being done behind my back in my city. And that caused, you know, her, her purge of the, the I can't remember the name of the blood elves there. Storm Reavers. I, I, whatever they were called sun, something I, they were purged at Dalaran. They didn't get to come back to Legion. There's a whole thing about it. It, it, it affected the story to this day. Like in Battle for Azeroth, we were still seeing side effects of it. Um, in fact, when you go to get you go to break Bane out, it turns out that one of the the Blood Elves who's working for Sylvanas is doing it to get revenge on Sylvan on Jaina for the not, purge. Not, not so, the Scryers. Not that's, the Scryers. That's, that's Burning Crusade. That's one of the factions yeah, there. That's Burning Crusade. Um, it's Sun Reavers. Sun, yeah, Sun Reavers. Sun Reavers. Yeah. yeah, and and that kind of progressive storytelling from expansion to expansion from patch to patch it's very present in battle for azeroth because it's it's you, like i just said you just see one piece of it right there but it's all over the place so but, i'm i'm very interested to see how they do it in shadowlands and i'm hoping the book will give us some idea of well, it and that's why i think the book is being delayed as much because i with the hype about it like you would expect that something like that would be pushed really early uh like we have with the art book revealing some lore secrets here and there if it's got that type of stuff in there. If, if Copeland is putting some really juicy tidbits in there, that means that by then, hopefully we'll be in a position where it's, I don't, I don't want to say it's not a spoiler territory, but it's in a way that it makes more sense. Because one of the things we talk about a lot too, is we don't generally understand everything that's going on in the shadows. We don't really have a good grasp on it yet by then in theory, we should, and that excites me because what are they going to tell us? What has to be delayed that much? What what interesting and cool lore bombs are they going to drop on us? Uh, or secrets will they reveal, reveal at that time? So, uh, But I think that's all I have to say about that. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, also, you know, we've already gotten some fairly deep, interesting lore stuff from the art book that comes with the collector's edition of Battle for, Azor, uh, for uh, Shadowlands. That was pretty cool. 
I am interested to see what they break out for this. And one of the things I'm really interested in seeing is maps because maps reveal a lot. Oh yeah. When you get a chance to really sit down and look at them, especially if they're higher quality than just the maps in the game. Uh, one of the things about cataclysm, I mean, about Chronicle I loved was the maps. Like for one thing, you get a chance to actually get a sense of the scale of things. So I'm, I'm really interested in that. I agree. But that's basically it for me. That's, that's all I have to say on this subject. All right. Our next question comes from Callan. Colin? I don't know how to pronounce your name, and I apologize. Uh, thank you to the stalwart watchers of weather. This is Salmus. Oh, okay. Well, we have multiple names. I apologize. The Alchemical Rogue here with a question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. Have we received a statement from the developers about the intended purpose of the Relic of the Past system for adjusting the power level of crafted items? It's difficult to assess how it is working if we don't know what it is for. I don't think they really have said a whole lot about it. I don't think so. Have you know? Have you gotten anything or seen anything? Um, I remember, like I've seen because it's a crafting about it on, thing. Yeah, it's. I remember seeing posts about it on Reddit about how it's supposedly been fixed, and you know, I don't know. This was like two months ago. The Reddit post I read was that it was basically. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's been any real big statement about it other than it supposedly is working as intended now, but I don't really know exactly how it's intended to work. Uh, Relics of the Past 5, for instance, has a flat 10 second cast time. Uh, there's stuff like that. The item you use it on can also be mass crafted. You, you click add relic, you use the relic on it, and that boosts the item. Um, I'm not sure, like, you know, I don't really know what we're doing here in terms of it, quite frankly. Um, I have that problem with a lot of crafting uh, in Shadowlands that I feel somewhat confused by a lot of it because I, I don't recall seeing anything specific about how it's supposed to work. Um, it's other than make the item better. Like, it's 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 a different version of the thing that we had in, in Legion where you could make an item and then you'd make a better version of the item and you'd learn more and you'd make a better version of the item. Uh, how it's going to actually end up working, I, I don't. I don't think we've had any statement. If if there has been, I have missed it, and then, then I apologize for that. Um, it's it's hard to keep track of everything, and it's one of those things where, like, again, I don't really think they've talked too much about it. I don't think there's been like an official post. I don't think there's been an official conversation about it yet. Um, and I don't know what it really means. I know that there are multiple levels of it. There are different professions that can do it. Uh, but that's it. So I I th I think it's this has to do with like the different crafting of like old gear and different colors, or, or something along those lines. I think right like it's because I see some of the patterns involve like fell iron ore and some of them shaw touch leather. So this is like some of the older gear and bringing back some stuff that might not be available in game. I think, but again, don't know yet. So. I've I know nothing about it. I don't think they've said anything about it. I don't think they've I want them to go into more detail about it because if there's ways to get use this to get gear that no no longer exists uh, or different colorations of said gear, I'm I mean, yes please. So, but yeah, yeah, if we hear anything about it, we can let you know. Yeah, absolutely. We're, I'm we're paying attention. It's just a question of I don't know what it's for. I don't, I, it's a good question. Your point about it's difficult to assess how it's working when you don't even know how what it's supposed to be doing. That's absolutely true. 
Um, I, I remember like the relics of the past one worked from item level 23, you know, for level 15s. And then you had the relic of past two item level 33, relic of past three item level 43. Uh, and then I levels, you know, four went up to item level 56 and, uh, items five went up to item level 87 and now they, they much smaller item level. So I think item level 54 for a level 47 character for relics of the past five. Um, I, I think that's what it's used on. I don't know what it adds to the item. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm as confused as you are about relics of the past. Quite frankly, with, with soul binds and conduits and, you know, picking a covenant and it just, I, I, I wasn't really focusing a lot of my attention on relics of the past. So I am not sure what they're doing with that. That that is the only real response I, I have to that, unfortunately. All right, let's move on to our next one. Hello, boys. So the lore of Warcraft, this expansion, seems to be shaping up to be something like way back after Arthas was a defeatist, defeated. Wow, can't talk today. Sylvana shows up late to the party, and in a moment of depression and without a sense of purpose, tosses herself from the top of the ice crown. She then finds herself confronted with the jailer who makes some kind of yet-to-be-fully-described deal. A pact is formed with between the jailer and Sylvanas, along with some Valkyr, to return Sylvanas back to the world of the living. Over the next few years, Sylvanas is quietly working on the jailer's goals while we battle dragons, pandas, Doc Browns, DeLorean, invading demon armies, and Jaina's mom. I honestly have no problem with any of this, including the very minor retcon of what happened during Edge of Night. I love long story setups and really appreciate people who can creatively fit a good new story into past events. But here's the hiccup. We discover in Revendreth that Garrosh is there being purged of his sins, leading the community to guess that perhaps nobody ever goes directly to the Maw, that instead everybody is given a second chance first. And whether the second chance theory holds true still begs the question. Before the events of Edge of Night, what had Sylvanas done that in any way was worse than what Garrosh did? I mean, many atrocities and all, uh, in all sense, but before? Most likely I'm just overthinking a good story and should just sit back and enjoy the show, but I'm still interested in what you think. Thanks. Swarbo from Proudmoor, U.S. Um, I mean, she was using the plague to engineer a death weapon to kill all life, and she was testing it on people that she was kidnapping and, and having caged up in in Undercity, like gnomes and humans and so forth. Uh, that's a war crime. Uh, she was, you know, consort consorting with demons. Uh, but also, I think you maybe you're making an assumption here that she would have to be she was killed with Frostmourne and then had the Lich King who wasn't even the Lich King yet. Arthas was not the Lich King when he did it, drag her back, her spirit back and jam it into her body. In fact, he didn't even jam it into her body. He turned her into a Banshee and then she later on, she regained her body. It's quite possible that from the moment that that happened to her, she was marked since we know that the Lich King was using the power of the Maw. When Uther's memory is seen, it's immediately responded to, you know, that, that the runes on that blade are, you know, that's the power of the maw. And that blade is, you know, what's, what's the old thing? Your power must scar the spirit. Uh, that, it's quite possible that it's not that she was worse than Garrosh, but that she died on the, you know, Frostmourne. She died to somebody who would later wield the Helm of Domination using the power of Frostmourne to do it. And he used the power of Frostmourne to trap her in unlife. 
So when she threw herself off of Ice Crown Citadel, keep in mind that the Jailer was already looking for a way to get the Helm of Domination back. He may have taken the opportunity to use the power that was animating her, that was his power, since it's from the Maw, so that he could grab hold of her and offer her a deal. Assuming that he actually actively offered her a deal, because in Edge of Night, you know, you see the deal comes from the from the Valkyr. It's quite possible the Valkyr didn't tell her it, everything up front. This is also one of those things I really like to point out because this is not the first time I've heard somebody, you know, why did you go to the mall? Why did you go to the mall? Why did you go to the mall when Garrosh is here and, and all this stuff and nobody ever really goes to the mall? The, her going to this this dark, voided type place is not mutually exclusive to everybody going somewhere before they go to the mall. In fact, you have to keep in mind that who ferries the souls of the dead from Azeroth to the Shadowlands to be judged and then take them to where they're supposed to go? Kyrian. Who was there for Sylvanas when she was in that void state that, that dragged her out of it, that dragged her out of that eternal darkness? Her, the, those dark Valkyr. What are the Valkyr modeled after? Kyrian, what can the Valkyr do? Fairy souls. We've seen them do this in the past. There's an entire character generation storyline revolving around it. When you look at the Forsaken, who brings those souls into those bodies? It is not a necromancer. It is not a scourge. It is a Valkyr. It is also entirely possible that the Valkyr, who have been acting on orders the entire time from the Jailer, biding time to whatever the the you know goal was or whatever the plan was seized the opportunity to take her soul when she flung herself off of ice crown and shove her into a dark hole and show her nothing but despair and get her to a point where she would accept any bargain put in front of her to give her purpose and to get her out of that place when maybe she truly believed that that's where she was going to go. Maybe that's what she was told at first that got her on board with this to begin with. Because again, as Matt pointed out, it's the Valkyr that bring her back. The Valkyr who have been working for Helia and the jailer the entire time. And they've been there the entire time. And they were at ice crown when she flung herself off the top of it. There is that is the most Occam's razor answer I can give to anybody who wants to know why she went to that place. It is entirely possible that it was an opportunistic setup and put her in the right frame of mind in the right place at the very wrong time with agents that were not working for the actual Lich King, even though he thought they were. That's my two cents on that. It is the easiest answer to explain that in my yeah, opinion. I it doesn't matter like to, to, to basically break it down again. It doesn't matter whether or not she's a worse person than garage. Uh, and just going by what she'd done up to that point, it doesn't matter. Cause I mean, for that matter, garage hadn't done all that stuff yet either, but whatever. Um, it, it, it's quite possible that she was brought in because they were looking for a tool, you know, somebody that would be able to do somebody that could actually beat Bolvar and take the hat. Yeah, if 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 it had it been Bolvar, had it been Bolvar that flung himself from the top, it could have very easily been him that got shoved in that hole, if you know, in that dark place. We don't know, right? And I think Matt made a really good point. Sorry, I don't mean to to jump in and interrupt, but like, 
you made a really good point. We don't know that that was the deal that was offered to her. I still think that maybe she didn't understand the full scope of what she was being asked to do until she met with Helia. Like, we still yeah. don't know the content of that conversation. We don't even know how she found out about Helia. Like, did one of the Valkyrs say, by the way, you should probably talk to this person because she made us? Like, you know, keep in mind, too, that a lot of Sylvanas' behavior, people forget this, but in the beginning of Cataclysm, uh, in the Silver Pine Forest Horde Zone, Sylvanas dies. Yeah, she's straight up murdered. Yeah, she gets killed. And the Valkyrs sacrifice themselves to bring her back. But is that when she had her first real chat with the jailer? We don't know, but it's quite possible because she doesn't she doesn't seem to know anything about Helia before that moment. And it's after that, after Cataclysm's over, that she suddenly knows that Helia's up in Stormheim and that she wants to talk to her. Because mm-hmm. the entire Stormheim campaign, from the Horde perspective, it's like, where'd Sylvanas go? We just made her war chief, and she's just vanished. And when you find her, she is not communicative as to what she's doing. Like, if you're a Horde player, she straight up keeps you in the dark. Yeah, oh yeah. She does not tell you what she's doing. She doesn't explain any of it to you. And, and all of it is, like, vaguely, oh, I'm trying to save our people, right? Like, yeah. there's there's no specifics. It's all this generic, nebulous, no detail plan of, we're trying to make sure we can survive till tomorrow. But what about this giant radioactive plague bear? Don't mind that. We're just working for saving our race for tomorrow. Like, that's the type of thing that happened, right? Like, it was complete bonkers she never told anybody anything. Like, I don't even think Nathanos knows the full scope of no, everything is, that's been going on. He's straight up like, you know, uh, I don't know where she is. Go find her. He's an arrow in, he's an arrow in the quiver. Just like everybody absolutely. else to her. And so it, it is interesting to consider, like, in the timeline of what we knew and what we saw, it's, there's no reason to believe she actually knew what was going on at first any more than anybody else. It's just that there's lots of stuff that happened to her afterwards that we were not really privy to. We know what happened. We saw it happen, but we only saw it. It's like playing telephone or worse. Somebody else is on the phone and they're not, they don't want you to hear what they're saying. So she's like, when we show up in, in Helheim, she's talking to Helia. We don't hear any of it. We just see them talking and then she like turns to you and says, "Yeah, go do something." Oh yeah, we're there at the tail end, and yeah. and there's Valkyr around her too. Like, there's none mm-hmm. of other Helia's other minions. It's Valkyr, her, and Helia. And then we just interrupt it. So keep that in mind and take that with with sort of a grain of salt. That like, I, I I'm not going to even call it a retcon because it's not. It's not changing the events that happened. The event still happened. We're just getting more context to it. And this goes back to yeah, what we were I talking mean, about, about that book, like the guide. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get more context to things as time goes on. And this could have been planned from back then. We don't know. I know for a fact that certain people had storyboards and ideas for quests and long-term story for years and years and years of game. I mean, you can talk to Metzen about that and look at some of his interviews. And I 
at one point, I think it was 2008, I had the luxury of, of actually speaking with him at BlizzCon where like they treated it like an extended D&D campaign where like they would come up with story hooks and plot ideas and see what stuck. But they had stuff like they had grand ideas where they wanted everything to go. Sometimes that changes. But this could be something that was a nugget from back then that like this moment is going to lead to something more epic down the line. We just maybe don't necessarily know what it fully looks like yet. And now we're starting to get to that point. Um, A lot of the things we talk about aren't exactly these these fixed moments of time We're we're getting them from unreliable narrator sources. We're getting them from an observer's eagle, like thousand yard stare view of it or whatever you want to call it, like an eagle eye view of it. We don't have like this microscopic view of everything that's going on. And I keep going back to that Helia conversation. When we show up, we see them in the distance. And that is the perfect analogy for it. We're on the outside looking in even as player characters. So even when we quote unquote, know what's going on, we don't necessarily know everything that's going on because we are not omniscient. So I think it's kind of cool that they can go back and and look at these and maybe this was planned, maybe it wasn't, uh, but it's not a retcon, it's just adding more, it's adding more flavor to the pasta as far as I'm concerned. Sorry, anything else to add on that one? I think we're pretty good. All right. Uh, our last question, Frozen Ones, I, Salt Marsha, ask you for this. What is the post-Shadowlands Azeroth going to look like? Is Anduin going to be the old Anduin from the Legion comic, Son of the Wolf? Will Jaina and Thrall get married? Is Bane going to go Death Knight? I talked a whole lot, so I'll, I'm going to let you have a moment. Um, um, I can kind of get where some of this is coming from because it's like it's if you did the Maw intro, you know that those are the four characters. I'm, I'm not sure where Jaina and Thrall getting married comes from. I, Thrall is married; he has a wife and like two kids at this point. I, I I've seen no sign that he is unhappy in this relationship. I mean, I mean quite frankly, she could probably do better. But uh, <laughs> I mean, by, I mean Thrall's wife. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, I mean. Uh, Agra could could do better than than Thrall. He's he kind of isn't that great as a husband, uh, but nevertheless, uh, I, I've seen no sign that Jaina is thinking along those terms. Uh, as for Bane from Death Knight, again, if you did the Maw, you do see bad stuff happens to Bane, and he gets kind of possessed by evil ghosts, but you kind of deal with that. I, I, at the end of the Maw, you basically leave them there. Like you activate a gate and you are sent to Oribos. Because you but, can leave. Yeah. They they are not as fortunate. Um we know that Taranda seems to be able to get out. Which is but, interesting. Well, she goes in by herself, doesn't she? She's not yeah, she's she, not kidnapped. She's no, able she to in. go there. She went she goes in when you go in, she jumps in yeah. ahead of you. And I, I don't know if that's currently the case, I haven't done them on a little bit. But the, the way it was when I ran it was that she went running in ahead of you. And the, because of the way time works there and that it doesn't, uh, you have no idea how long she was there before you got there. Uh, she seems to be, be able to get to other parts of the Shadowlands. That might be, however, the fact that she is tapping into enormous power. Uh, the, the Night Warrior, it, if, if you get to see the little cinematic uh, where various people are kidnapped by, by uh, Sylvanas' forces... Taranda dismisses those things with contemptuous ease. Oh, yeah. He, he bats them yeah. down. Yeah. Like, you know, if you think you're taking me anywhere, boom. 
Uh, I think if Sylvanas had actually showed up, this expansion would already be over. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on that train too. Yeah, Tyrande would have just annihilated her. The power that Tyrande is channeling is powerful enough to kill an old god by itself. Like, the Night Warrior on another planet was used to defeat an old god. Yeah, like, we Nihilatha wouldn't have been a thing if Tyrande had not been busy dealing with the Fallout or hunting Sylvanas. Just throwing yeah, that she'd out actually, there. actually, if she'd cared... Like she, she didn't listen. Like she wasn't paying attention to 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 Anduin's summons at that point. Like when he sent her a letter saying bad stuff's happening, she's like, "I don't care. You didn't help my people. You deal with your own problems." She, she's the power she's channeling is extreme, um, and I think it's only getting more powerful as time goes on, which is why it's also getting like the the signs are all there that that's going to rip her into little pieces if they if she doesn't find a way to to like share it with other people but that this is all kind of spoilery for Ardenwald, so i'll leave it at that but yeah um they don't seem to be able to leave the maw i don't know what that means for the future after shadowlands i don't know if they're not coming back or if not all of them are coming back um a lot of people have talked about the idea that anduin will get old in the shadowlands i don't know if that will happen because i don't know if time itself doesn't really seem to exist in the Shadowlands. Like you could be there for like what felt like a thousand years. And for all I know, nothing would happen to you. You know, you won't get older because there's no time there as such. So I, I got no idea. Um, a lot of people want it to happen. It feels like, uh, cause it keeps getting brought up, but I don't, I don't know if it will happen. I don't know if it's really going to be involved at all. I, we have no idea. And, and, I we don't like saying that very often, but it's something you're going to hear a lot of. Yeah, especially in this case, because this is like you're asking us to predict what's going to happen after Shadowlands in two years, basically. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't even know what's happening during Shadowlands yet, man. It's like, but we can, I can go ahead. No, I think you're about to say we can make guesses. Yeah, and that's all we can do. We can make guesses. We can make uh, educated leaps of of logic. Uh, but, and that's what we can do. I think that there might be something there with the Anduin thing, but I don't necessarily believe it's going to be an aging thing. I've been thinking about this a lot more, and I've been thinking about a lot of how the Maw churns souls, what it does to them. And this is something we've been talking about on Lorewatch a lot, which is when you go there, you see a lot of like amalgamations of shards of souls. You don't see complete like beings of anima. It is a rarity to see a complete creature rolling around there. And when you do, you question it immediately because it is nothing like you've seen. Even the agents of the jailer in the maw are broken, incomplete masses of anima and soul spliced together, much like Blizzard's code for over the last 16 years, where you don't know how this is working, but yet it somehow is. Um, but I think we're going to see something happen, not necessarily with time, but characters can age in a different way. We talk about Bane and what happens with him in the series of traumatic events and the weight that that will cause him to carry. And we've all lived through these moments in our life. Everybody has these moments where something hits you in such a way, in such a profound way that it physically alters you and alters maybe how you stand or sit or talk, how you, you know, the inflection on certain words. 
uh, because your brain rewires to deal with things that happen. And as a result, things change. One of the, the things that is, it's a trope of fantasy novels. It's a trope of sci-fi novels is that extreme trauma can cause physical alteration. And what, Anduin's going through is not exactly a picnic. He's essentially Wesley in the pit of despair, and he's hooked up to the the torture machine with the suction cups and and all those wonderful, wonderful sluice gates. Uh, and as he's going through that those pits of despair and getting left behind, because again, like Matt said earlier, we get to leave the maw. They don't. They're trapped there. We don't know what happens in between. And then we look at things like Torghast and we see what happens with the Rune Carver and how gnarled and broken he is and some of the other souls that we come across as we go through Torghast. There's a lot of weird metaphysical stuff going on here. It doesn't have to be time. The Anduin that comes out after this is not going to be the Boy King anymore. We even started seeing that during Battle for Azeroth. He's not the straight, optimistic hopeful youth that he was at the end, even at the end of Legion, after all that terribleness, he still had sort of like this, oh, you know, things will be okay. We can make it through this. He's starting to get sort of that weight of life. And what do you think is going to happen in the mall where time doesn't exist? And he's just being tortured for who knows how long and being forced to deal with the reality of all these broken souls. And that's the other thing. He's sensitive. He's not exactly... Uh, walled off from emotion or effect of energy around him. And we've seen this in books and the comics and some of his interactions uh, ever since the shattering, when he was being trained uh, in the ways of priesthood by the dwarves, like he's attuned to the light. He feels emotion in a very specific way. He keys off of it. Hence is like slightly flicking into shadow occasionally. What do you think is going to happen to somebody who's that sensitive in the maw being tortured with all of those broken souls? I would not be surprised if he comes out of there haggard and worn down and and needs to have recovery and has this like not older, but just like being sort of wasted away from the inside out of having to endure all of that. He's not going to be as happy-go-lucky. If anything, I would not be terribly surprised if he's more like his his dad was before his dad was balanced. He's going to feel that weight. So I, I think that's where it's going to come from. And I think there will be effects for it, but I don't think it's just going to be the old man. Uh, years have passed and, you know, he's sitting on the bridge of a ship, but yeah, it's, there's going to be some weird implications. And I think Anduin's going to be one of the most changed, especially when you consider all the stuff happening with Tyrande. He still considers Tyrande a friend at many points and like everything that's happening with her ways on him. And then we don't know what's going to happen with her story in Shadowlands. And that's going to weigh on him too, because it's going to come back to, oh, I didn't help her. She made a choice that I could have helped her stay away from that choice, led her down this path. And if I had just done this one thing, because this is exactly the type of person Anduin is, if I had done this one thing, I could have prevented all this tragedy and I didn't do it because I was so focused on this. And he's going to beat himself up and he's going to be grizzled. He's going to be slightly more hardened. Uh, he's going to have different differences of, as far as how he interacts with people. He probably will have more in common with Gen Greymane than anybody else, having lived through such traumatic experiences. 
Uh, sorry, yeah, that I was mean, a whole lot. <laughs> one of the things I wanted to point out before we move on, though, is if you do them all, one of the things that happens is only one of the characters is still in decent shape when you meet them. Uh, Anduin is confined. He's chained up. Yep. Uh, Bane, like I said, he has evil stuff jammed into him. Thrall is just getting his butt kicked. Like Thrall is just on the ground bleeding uh, when you find him. And Jaina is the only one who is still fighting. And she even says, like, I've been breaking, I've been escaping and getting recaptured and escaping for months. From her perspective, it's been months of her doing this. She's the only one who hasn't been, like, I almost feel like saying Jaina is the only one who's been through so much in her regular day-to-day life. Oh, yeah. That going into the Maw doesn't phase her. Like, yeah, okay, we're in, like, some kind of horrible death dimension. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Uh, I'm going to keep trying to break out now. You know, I, I'm the most powerful major I'm going to meet, and I'm going to keep trying to get out. And I think that Anduin, I think that we, we saw a little bit in, Shadow, in Shadows Rising that Anduin is already kind of on edge before this even happens. Oh, yeah, even when he's in the bar, like, when he's yeah. in the tavern, like... There's that 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 sort of wariness that we wouldn't normally see in him, right? Yeah. So I definitely think that this this is a case of a character who is poised for some kind of change. I definitely think Joe is right about that. I don't know what it'll be, uh, but I definitely think that he will be different. Although I do like the idea of him not being like you know just being grampy all of a sudden. Like he comes back, he still looks like Anduin. So I think that would make sense. But yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think we have something related just quickly from chat that, that sort of comes in. This is from Wolf Parable. Uh, do you guys think if more will come with the comparisons they did between him and Arthas and Before the Storm? I think that that's going to be something we're going to see brought up a lot simply because I think that's one of the most common ways to try to break Anduin down, uh, if that makes sense, because there's... Actually, I'm going to interrupt you here because you go had ahead. to go a long time for there. Um, I honestly am not 100% convinced we're not going to see Arthas. Oh, yeah, no, agreed. And if we do, it might actually be Arthas himself. Not the Lich King. Who makes that comparison. Like, it might be Arthas who says to Anduin, I was, you know, young king, I was once like you. And because, for one thing, we if you remember the original trailer for Wrath of the Lich King when it was before it was out, there was that young heroes, I was once like you bit that pretty much to me sums up Arthas in a nutshell. Arthas is always trying to convince people that that what he did was right. Mm-hmm. It was the one thing mm-hmm. to do. And my God, would Anduin be a tempting target on that? Oh, yeah. You know, especially if the two of you are stuck in the maw together. You're like, yeah, see what? What happened to you? Here you are. You're in the same place I am. You know, you, you tried to live your life, you know, and so did I. You think and, I, you yeah. know, I, I tried to be a paladin. I tried to live my life according to all that. And here I am. And here you are. It's like we pay for like these, we, we pay for our choices, even though we thought we were doing the right thing. We thought we were helping people, you know, and that's to me, I definitely think that that might happen, but I think it will be, actually be a more direct comparison it won't just be like Garrosh saying, and th- that's the thing is when, when that comparison was really made, it was Garrosh not comparing Anduin to Arthas as Anduin thought he was. Garrosh was comparing himself to Arthas. Yeah. And it's not a bad comparison. They were both, you know, fairly young. I mean, Garrosh was older than their enthrall, but people who were put into positions, they didn't know what to do with. Unprepared. Just 
did their best with it. And that's Anduin to a T. Anduin and Garage have a lot in common. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why you get the Anduin Garage conversations in War Crimes. Garage recognized that there's, you know, for all that he doesn't like humans, there's there's a a lot of comparison between him himself and Anduin. And I definitely think there's a lot of comparison between Anduin and Arthas that I that will come up. Uh, but I think it might actually be Arthas who's the one making the point. I agreed. Uh, but I think that's all we have time for, unless there's anything else you want to add. No, I think we're good. All right. Well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcasts or the queue, and an ads free site experience. And did you know that our podcast is available now on Spotify? I was waiting for it, but he didn't do it this time. Uh, But you can actually go listen to all of our podcasts now on Spotify as well. You can can support us there. Uh, Listens there do matter. Uh, But if you want to stream us instead of download us, feel free. Uh, But yeah. And thank you to everybody who continues to support us. Matt? Thank you, Joe. Uh, Again, guys, if you want to leave a question for the show, you can either go to our Discord, the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, or the Q Questions channel. Both of them we look at for questions for the show. Or you can email us at uh, you know, podcast at blizzardwatch.com, the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for the show. Uh, I am sorry that I didn't feign over-exaggerated surprise that we're at Spotify, <laughs> as I did on Laura Watch this week. I failed you. I failed the city. Oliver uh, Queen would be upset with me. Uh, but this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.